Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. I'm glad you all are here. Um, as always, I'm really thankful for you guys to take time out. I mean, I know you all are crazy busy, um, especially this time of the year. Um, so I'm really I'm thankful. I hope that, uh, that this can be a time that's refreshing and filling for you. Um, before I get started, um, go ahead and hit that slide, Clayton. Um, so Brittany's not here. Please keep her in your prayers. She asked for prayer tonight. Um, one of her best friends, one of her best friends um, whom she roomed with, hit her husband um, had, cardiac, had a cardiac attack and then was brain dead and then died um, on Sunday. And so Brittany took an emergency flight to Atlanta. Um, he was 25. Um, they'd been married for two years. Just, I mean, really, really tragic. Uh, and so please be praying for Brittany. She's grieving. This woman, her name is Lauren Gill. She's grieving um, to have her husband die. He was a Christian, so um, we can have hope in the midst of our great sadness that uh, he is in a much more joyful place. But uh, for the rest of us, it's really confusing and sad. And, um, so please be praying for Brittany. Pray for uh, her friend. She asked for prayer. And then um, if you're on Facebook, she's posted some stuff. Uh, he was her um, sustenance for life. So um, with him gone, there's a lot of questions about her financial future and her education. So um, if you have, uh, if you're interested, repost that. And um, she's, they're trying to raise some funds to, um, to support Lauren. So she asked for prayer and she asked for that. Um, so, yeah, we live in a broken world. Death is real. Um, and we're sort of, we're all waiting for that, where that, that time where it won't be anymore. So, um, so moving on into our text tonight, um, we're continuing our series, if you've been with us, on By This, by this You Know Love, or um, looking at uh, how do we know love. And this week, what we're looking at is very closely connected with what we talked about last week. So, um, by way of review, really quickly, last week I, I wanted us to see there was one thing our text was showing us. It's that God is love. God is love and um, everything that flows out of that. That With God being loving, there, we can have a hope for having morality. With God being loving, we can have incredible hope for our love. Um, and that God's primary disposition towards us as people, as creatures, is, is that he loves us. Um, and that, that's what's captured in this idea of, of God is love. And so tonight we're going to continue that theme. We're going to continue even that idea of God is love. It's in our text tonight. But we're going to um, expand on it with a new word that we're going to look at. Um, the word is abide. Um, and then um, how that applies to love. So I'll read our text and then um, we'll dig in. So this is God's word. This is 1 John chapter 4, 13 to 21. Read with me. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are we in this world. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, 
and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brothers, he is a liar, for he does not for, for, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Pray with me quickly. Father in heaven, thank you for this evening. Thank you that we can uh, come together, take a break from studying, join each other in the, the fellowship of faith. Um, Father, we do pray for Brittany and her friend and the whole community in Athens. We pray that your spirit would be comforting them in the midst of their loss. Um, Father, we pray for our here time to near tonight, these next minutes as we look at your word. I pray that your spirit would be present um, and that you would apply the word to our lives and hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So this idea, like I said, we're going to be looking at this word abide. Abide. It's a really important word in the book of 1 John. If you're going to understand what love is in 1 John, we have to wrestle with this word abide. It's a short book, 1 John. But it uses this word abide over 20 times, like over and over again. And even tonight, we saw it over and over again. If you look, you can circle how many times it uses this word abide. And in, in the original, the Greek word is, um, if you're interested, it's meno. And uh, it's a really difficult word to translate. And so if you look in different translations, in different English translations of your Bible, it's actually translated in several different ways. Um, some ways it's translated abide, like tonight. But also it's translated as live or remain or continue or endure or rest. So it's like a bunch of, it's a very broad word that can carry a bunch of different meanings. Um, it's, a, it's a freighty word. It's a word that has a lot of meaning. We have words that, that do that today. Um, like a word that I, t- today we're like a, a word that's really meaningful today. It's like the word authentic. You know, you say the word authentic and people are like, that, that just carries a lot of meaning about being real and being yourself and being like kind of raw. And so it's like, you, you know, there's a lot of meaning in our world today around the word authentic, right? Um, you, you say, it's the same thing with this word abide or this, in Greek, this word meno. There's a lot of meaning in this word that Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Paul, that John is, is, is putting into this word um, and so that's why there's a lot of different ways that we translate it, because there's so much freight or weight that it's carrying. Um, and so that makes it really difficult to sort of pin down what does it actually mean, this word abide. Um, but I'm going to try for it, and I would say a short way to define abide, or the way that John uses it, is an inward, enduring, personal communion. An enduring, personal communion. When John says abide, he means here a personal choice made by real people, a personal choice to intentionally embrace those around you, a choice to embrace those around you. So an illustration of this, I was trying to think like, man, how do we, how do we talk about this sort of idea of abiding? Um, and, and I think the way I was, I was thinking through is like a healthy family. Think of like a really, really healthy family. Um, so example, I came from by the grace of God, I, I really thankfully came from a pretty healthy family. Um, we were a pretty traditional family, so like a given day, my dad would come home from work and he would sort of um, unwind from work and play with us when we were little. And my mom would be preparing dinner. And that's nothing to say like this is how a family has to work, but this is how our family worked. And it was really healthy. 
Um, and then my dad would come in and he would help make dinner and we would set the table. And we, so we each sort of had our roles and we each had our responsibilities in our family and we're all just kind of moving around together, making choices that are for the better of the whole family. We each knew our particular, you know, we each knew our role. We knew the family norms. We knew that, we knew that there's no dessert until the dishes are done. We knew that there was no play until the eating chores were done. Um, and then once all that sort of thing was done, we'd like kind of, there was just sort of this, we'd move into the family room and either like watch a movie or read books or play a game. And you know, like we weren't a perfect family. We would have fights and we would, you know, but th- there was like, there was this idea of a settled motion, if you know what I mean. And that's what I think we get at when we get to this idea of abiding. Some of you maybe understand that. Some of you maybe come from healthy families. And you know that everyone sort of knew their role within the family. Um, Each person had a valuable role that they played in that family um, that was for the betterment. And you had a personal investment in that um, that made the family a better place. But then some of you maybe came from more broken families um, where that that wasn't wasn't as much at play. But but even if you came from a broken family... um, you know that it was wrong, and you, you, you knew something was off, or maybe you know now something was off in my family, there was something wrong, there wasn't this, this settledness, this personal, this personal enduring settledness of um, communion as a family, and you have this vision of like, this is what a family could be, this is what our family unit could be, and this is how it's falling short of that. I think we all have this idea of living in our family and being settled in it, knowing our role. That's what John is getting at when he says abiding. It's, it's when your family is home. It's when, um, when you're loved and valued, and out of that being loved and valued, you move towards others in love and in obedience. So, um, yeah, that's, that gets at abiding, this idea of enduring personal communion, enduring personal communion. So if that's what abiding is, if that's what, how John is using the word abiding throughout the whole book, what is this passage that we're looking at today, what does this have to say about abiding and why does it matter to you and me? So I want to look at this idea of abiding under three, in three ways, three headings tonight. And they're in your bulletin. So, um, but the first is the triune abiding, the, the abiding with the Trinity. Second is the invitation of abiding. And third is the confidence of abiding. The, tri- the triune abiding, the invitation to abiding, and the confidence of abiding. So first, first I want us to look at the triune abiding. So look with me at verse 13 and 14. By this we know that we have come to abide in him and he in us. And this is the part I want you to see. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So you remember last week how we talked about God is love. God is love at his very essence, at his very core. God is a personal being who loves, who loves. And a key part of that love, it has to be personal. It has to be personal love. It can't just be that God is some vague, you know, ethereal love or there's something, you know, very, that'll just have cataclysmic effects on our love. It just means that we just have to go out and just like vaguely be like, love? No, it's, love has to be personal. Love has to be grounded in real people doing real acts of love and compassion and mercy towards other people. And Christianity is the only religion where that's actually an option, 
where, where love is intensely personal. And that's because God is a, he's triune. That's what we talk about in, the, in, in the, de- the doctrine of the Trinity, that God is three in one. One God with three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this is a, this is a great mystery. This is probably the, I mean, that along with the incarnation is the greatest mystery in the whole universe. How can three be one? How can one be three? Honestly, I don't know. But this is what Scripture teaches us. And it's the bedrock of love. It defies rational comprehension, but it's amazingly, amazingly beautiful how all of a sudden when God is personally loving, we see here in the Trinity this this perfect abiding within the Godhead itself. The Trinity abides these three persons in perfect, enduring, personal communion. Perfect and it's just this perfect delight in each other, this perfect enjoyment of each other where the Father is glorifying the Son, and the Son is glorifying the Spirit, and the Spirit is glorifying the Father, and they're each moving around each other like a family, each making the other one more beautiful, glorifying the other one, praising and delighting in the other one. C.S. Lewis, who's a, who's a great Christian author, read every word you can get if you can find him. Um, he says this He says, Christian, In Christianity, God is not an impersonal thing or a static thing. Not even just one person, but a dynamic pulsating activity, a life, a kind of drama. Almost if you think me, almost if you think me irrelevant, irreverent, a kind of dance. A dynamic pulsating activity, a life, a kind of drama, a kind of dance. That is triune abiding. It starts within God, this idea of abiding, of the perfect unity of persons within the Trinity dancing around each other, celebrating each other. We see perfect delight, perfect community, perfect relationship, perfect love in the Trinity, just like a perfect family. Um, One, but different people within that one. John 17, if you read, if you go read John 17 in John's Gospel, John kind of gives us a peek behind the curtain of this when Jesus is talking with the Father about his relationship with the Father and the Father's relation to him and how the Spirit fits into all this. And it's just, it's amazing because Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is glorifying the Father just as the Father is glorifying the Son and the Spirit glorifies them all. It's this amazing, it's a dance really of constant loving and self-giving. That is abiding. That is what abiding is. It starts in the Trinity. And I know this is really kind of hard and weird for us to understand today in the 21st century, you know, as college students. Like, what? How is this possible? But I want you to new, you kind of try and put into your imagination and your mind's eye, like, how perfect this, this divine triune abiding here, whether you come from a healthy family or not, or whether you come from a really broken family, um, try that on. What is it like when your family is in, is in union together? And then make that perfect. Make it divine in your head. That's what's happening in the Godhead. Each person loves and respects each other. And, and that, there's no selfishness. There's no anger. No hurting. That's perfect abiding. Do you see how, how beautiful that is? That there's these persons within the Godhead with perfect belonging, acceptance, union, Love, respect, all of these things. 
And so part of this is, means that the, the Trinity is perfectly united and agreed in the redemptive work on earth. And that's what brings us to verse 13, chapter, uh, verse 13 and 14, where he has, he has given us the Spirit. And we see and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior in the war, of the world. Each member of the Trinity has their own role in the redemptive work of saving this creation, saving us from our sins. The Father sends the Son. The Son willingly comes and dies and rises. The Spirit comes and empowers believers. Each person has a saving role within the Trinity of bringing their abiding to us. Bringing their perfect love to us. So that's the first that brings us, that starts to get us to our second point. First, the triune abiding. See and behold this perfect union, this perfect divine dance within the Godhead of personal enduring communion. But it's not just as if God is up there having a great party within himself up there. But no, it actually starts to come down here. And that's where we get to this idea of the invitation to abide. That brings us to our second point. Look at verse 15 and 16. If I can find it. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Honestly, y'all, this should be one of the most glorious and mind-blowing verses in the entire Bible if we truly, if we, when we really begin to understand this. Because do you see what John is saying here? Do you see what he's saying? He's saying that it means that when we trust in Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, we are brought into that perfect abiding within the Godhead. We are brought into that perfect relationship. We're brought into the perfect enduring community. That's what's on display here. That's what's on offer here. We, that, I mean, that should shock us. We are brought into perfect, enduring, total acceptance community by faith in Jesus Christ. We're brought into perfectly intentional community, perfect delight, perfect affection, perfect joy. In some way, oh, we are brought into the Godhead. We are brought into the Godhead. We don't become many gods, but we are brought into the Godhead in this amazingly mysterious way that I don't understand, but that's what this text tells us. And let me tell you, that is where joy is. That is where fulfillment is. And actually, I think this idea of abiding in God, Him and us, us and Him, I think that's really what we all want at the end of the day, right? And I was thinking through, how do I, how do we, how do I, I was, thinking, I was thinking, how many of y'all seen Citizen Kane? The movie Citizen Kane? If you haven't, you must watch it. You just have to watch it because it consistently ranks the best movie ever made. Um, kind of across the board. Just an amazing movie. Um, and I'm going to really, I'm going to try and give you a quick overview. It is just not going to do it justice. But um, it's made in the 1940s, but it continues to just dominate. It's an incredible piece of art and work. Um, and so it starts with this small boy named uh, Charlie Kane. And, and it starts... The movie starts with this boy out playing in Colorado in the snow. He's playing in a blizzard. He's throwing snowballs, making snowmen, and on this sled. He's playing on this sled. Then the movie the, the pans into a room, and uh, the, uh, his father and, uh, and, and some guardians are debating what, what are going to happen to him. 
And ultimately, um, the family is, is sort of broken up, and he's taken away from the family. Um, and he becomes, over time, and this is the movie, you have to watch it, but he becomes this tycoon. He just becomes like this huge businessman, runs for political office, um, has like women, and striving in his career, and really is very successful in his personal life, um, in his professional life. He's filthy rich, success on many measures. Um, but then uh, at the very end of the movie, and this is, I mean, this is just I mean, an incredibly famous scene. He's lying on his deathbed, and um, he's lying there, and just as he dies, it, he whispers, Rosebud. He whispers, Rosebud, and then he drops the snow globe onto the floor. Um, and uh, you're like, what the heck does this all about? And so really, what the movie's about is, at the very beginning, you see this shot of the sled that he's playing on, and the sled says, Rosebud. And so you see, like, across the movie, what is he trying to do? He's trying to, like, he's, here's this incredibly successful man on his deathbed. He's like, I just want to be a kid again. I just want to be in my family. I just want to, I was abiding in my family. I had a father and a mother who loved me, and I got taken away. I was playing in the snow and having a ton of fun. Rosebud, I just want to be with my sled again. I just want to be with my family playing in a snowstorm. Here's this person who's always searching, always through all of his work and his relationships and money and success. He's looking basically for this feeling of abiding that he had in his childhood. He's looking for that acceptance and that simple joy that he had. And I think, I think that's all of us. If I really am honest with myself and if I'm honest as I, as I meet with y'all, that if we cut through all the things we do, the study and the work and the research and the friends and the social media and the gaming and the family, at the end of the day, what do we want? What do we want? We just want to abide. We want enduring personal community that loves you and delights in you and respects you, mutually loves you. At the end of the day, I think we all want to abide. And y'all, that's what's on offer here tonight. That's the invitation. That's, this, that's what we're being offered up. I started off this semester, and I'll say it again with this. I said Christianity is about so much more than solving sin. Christianity is not a religion about getting right with God and saying a prayer and being like, well, check that box, I'm saved. Christianity is about joyfully joining into the fellowship that we were always meant to have. Christianity is about abiding with God and with each other and with creation in perfect harmony. It's not just about solving sin. Yes, sin's a huge deal. We've got to address sin because sin is what ruins abiding. It's what keeps it from happening. So we've got to deal with it. But it's not just a matter of getting saved. It's a matter of being in total communion with each other and with God again. That is what heaven is. That is what heaven will be. Is That's where our, our dear brother Evan is. is he's a finally resting in God, abiding in God finally and perfectly. This is a great mystery. I don't understand it. You don't fully understand it. And it can be frustrating as a mystery, but I think that's what makes it so beautiful is that we don't fully understand it. It's just this beautiful, it's like looking at the stars. We don't understand it, but it's beautiful in its own way. That the being that created the universe, this personal loving being, would bring us into his personal joy. And maybe some of you, maybe some of you have never seen that before. Maybe 
you see your own striving for abiding in everything that you do, and you see it kind of falling up short like Citizen Kane, um, I want you to hear tonight that there's an invitation. Um, there's an invitation to true abiding. Look at verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is the Son of God, if I can find it, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe that the love of God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. That is what is here today for us tonight. I invite you now, if that's you, right now, accept that. Accept Jesus is who he is and who he says he is and welcome yourself into the incredible abiding that is here on offer and start that abundant life Start the abundant life of triune, coming into the triune abiding. And so that brings us to our third point, the confidence of abiding, the confidence of abiding. Look with me at verse 17. By this is love perfected with us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment because, he is also, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no, love in, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So if we're a part of this triune love, if we're brought into the Godhead in this mysterious way, we can have total confidence in the future. Total confidence in the future. If this is perfect love, then we can rest in it. And so John brings up this idea of judgment, the day of judgment. And it feels sort of random. Like, why is he coming up with this all of a sudden? But it's actually a really old idea in the Bible um, and remember what we said about sin. Sin is a really big deal. I've said that throughout the, throughout the semester. And um, I said that sin deserves punishment. Sin is rejection of abiding, basically. It's rejection of God's personal offer, invitation to abide. And um, there's a lot I could say about this idea of the day of judgment. It probably deserves its own message. But I'll just say this, that there are those who find this idea of abiding outside of God um, and that's what sin is. And they abide in, any perf- in, in really imperfect ways. They try to, like Citizen Kane, rush around and find different things other than God. Um, and that's culpable for that. There's judgment for that. And um, so there's fear in that, obviously. There's a lot of fear in that. But, and they build this idea of this definition of, of abiding around themselves. They're basically like, uh, well, I'm going to abide around who I, what I want to do, rather around, around others, around God. And um, so that's really rejection of God. It's a rejection of his love. Um, and so there's great reason to fear for that. There's a lot of reason to be afraid of that sort of rejection of God's love. Um, but, but if we've been brought into the Godhead, if we've been brought into this perfect abiding love, then there's no reason to fear for that judgment. Do you see that? Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. We've been brought into this perfect love, and if there's perfect love, total acceptance, then there's no fear. If you know someone, know, if, if someone knows you at your very worst and still loves you, then there's no reason to f- be afraid of that person. They know everything. There's no reason to fear them. That's what happens here. God, who knows your very worst, still loves you, forgives you, brings, him into himself, brings you into himself. And that love, what does it do? It throws fear out. There's no fear in that. There's no fear of punishment. There's no fear of judgment. That means that you and I can have total, total confidence. Confidence now and confidence in the future. 
All of us who have trusted in Jesus, we can have total confidence, perfect, fearless confidence in our status before God. So that means for us, for for those of us who would say we're Christians, settle, rest, sit back like a good family. Settle into that love that God has for you. Abide in it. Abide in it. Remain in it. Live in God's love. Have confidence in God's love. 1 John 2.28, which we we worked through a couple weeks ago, John tells us, And now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He comes we may have confidence and not shrink back from Him in shame at His coming. So that when He comes we, we, we do not shrink back, but actually in confidence go up and say, I am one of yours, you are one of mine, I live in you, you live in me. This frees us. This frees us. Do you see how freeing that is to be brought in? But it doesn't just free us to do whatever we want. It frees us to actually live out love. That's what John, that's the the logical conclusion he says here. He says in verse 19, we love. So in in response to him, we love because he first loved us. And then he goes on and talks about, go out now. If you're brought into this perfect communion, go out and love those around us. We can love. We must love because we're brought into the very center of love ourselves. With the confidence that we are fully loved, we are able to go out and love those well. So love becomes no longer just a requirement, something that we have to do, but it comes as a result of who we are. Becomes We're those who live among God. So love is something that we, would, we, just, we go out and love because that's, that's who we are. So when we start with God's love, we abide in His love and we go out and we start loving others. There's so much more I can say about this passage. It's really dense. There's a ton here, but we're coming up on time, so I'll I'll leave it at this. Um, God is love, and that means that God perfectly abides within Himself. He's perfectly whole within Himself. He loves within Himself. And the beauty of the invitation of the Gospel is that He brings us into that enduring perfect loving community it's an invitation to abide and from that comes total confidence for you and me to abide in his love so with that abide in his love settle down live in it and then go out and love those well so let me pray for us father in heaven thank you for your grace your grace is amazing your grace that brings us into perfect love love where we can settle into your arms love that we are brought into perfect acceptance this is all by your grace it's nothing that we do it's just something that you do because you love us spirit help us to understand how beautiful it is it's not something that we can do on our own we need your your power and you to show it to us so do that for us help us to see in our hearts how great your love for us is and then help us to go out and love in response to that love those around us Help us to abide in love and love those around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.